Welcome to the Less True podcast presented by Gulf Food, the largest annual FMB sourcing event in the world. I'm your host, Jueria Hersey, bringing you compelling stories and insights to a wide range of topics in the food and drinks industry, from farming, behind the scenes, to the culinary world, and to foods we simply love to chew on. In this podcast series, we speak to people, brands, and businesses across the food and drink spectrum to find out more about why they do what they do and how, in their own way, they're championing change and shifting the future of food and drink. Trust me, there's so much more, so listen to the Less True podcast on our website, gulffood.com, and subscribe to our newsletter for the latest updates in food. Welcome back to another episode of the Let's Chew podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Hersey, and today we're talking all about mental health in the restaurant and hospitality industry. As you know, it's the nature of the job in a restaurant, for example, a chef and the kitchen staff to always look after everyone else and put themselves last. But that mantra is starting to change in the industry, and mental health is becoming an increasingly serious casualty during these times that cannot be ignored anymore. In a recent study carried out by Unilever Food Solutions, 74% of chefs are sleep-deprived to the point of exhaustion. 63% feel depressed, and more than half feel pushed to the breaking point. So our guest today, um, we have an expert in the field who is doing a lot of the groundwork, Chris Hall, who is the founder of the Burnt Chef Project, a nonprofit business that tackles mental health issues and seeks to eliminate mental health stigmas within the FMB and hospitality industry. Thank you for joining us, uh, Chris. So happy to have you here. Thank you ever so much for having me. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's always amazing to see how far this conversation is continuing to spread. So uh, yeah, hello from, hello from uh, Southwest England. Thank you for joining us. Um, so let's just get started with your background and to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You come from a corporate sales and marketing background. So how did you venture into the hospitality industry, especially mental health? Oh, crikey. Do you want the long or the short answer for this? Long one, long one please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my background has always been in sales uh, ever since I left school really and for me one of the things that always drew me towards sales was the psychology of it and getting an understanding of how people's brains working and and providing solutions to problems you know not not trying to force a force a product onto someone who didn't want actually finding and establishing what their need was and then providing a solution for that so i guess that gives you very early on a bit of an insight into the workings of the Burnt Chef project and how my brain works. But for me, I've worked in many, many different sectors. And I, whilst having jobs running sales teams for you know, financial businesses, for mechanical engineering companies, I've always held part-time jobs in hospitality. So my mum, she used to manage pubs at a very young age. So I was used to not seeing her on a Friday and Saturday night. And uh, I guess I followed suit with that. I started working in some busy bars down on the south coast of England in Bournemouth. And I absolutely loved it. 
I loved the the nocturnal nightlife. I loved the buzz of a service. I loved just, I even enjoyed the, the long hours, the 13, 14 long hours after completing a nine hour working day in my, my profession. And so I was bitten at quite an early age, but for me, I moved into hospitality full-time back in 20, 2020 now, where I was selling fine dining ingredients from around the world to some of the best restaurants in, in the South. And, you know, we were importing amazing truffles from Italy. We were getting you know, finger limes from Australia, you know, and really inspiring culinary professionals really to expand their horizons and just again seeing their eyes light up with different produce and different seasonality and like I loved it I loved being in the kitchens I loved working with chefs on a quite a you know quite a knowledgeable level but it all started to change for me when I was in my late 20s and unbeknown to me I was experiencing mental illness in the form of a personality disorder and depression. And that led me into quite a, quite a predicament where I was starting to sabotage my professional relationships, my personal relationships. Um, it wasn't really working too well for me because I was in a complete and utter hole. I, I felt isolated and lonely and I didn't know where to turn really. So out of desperation, um, I went to go and see a cognitive behavioral therapist. I was very fortunate over here. The NHS waiting list was quite long. It was a good six months just to speak to someone. And I was in a fortunate position whereby I was able to pay for some private therapy. Um, I walked into that therapist's office and she says, okay, Chris, uh, this first session, we're just going to have a talk about yourself and, and why, why are you here today? And I said, well, in short, I want to stop all of the internal monologue that I have. And I want to walk around like everyone else on the planet with this big empty space in their head and going, duh, 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 you know, walking around. And she said, well, okay, first things first, uh, everyone has that internal monologue. What makes you think that they don't? And I was like, well, no one talks about it, right? I've got all of these negative thoughts. I can't talk to anyone else about them because I'm the only person that is experiencing this. You've been sat here for the last 30 years waiting for me to walk through your red door and sit in this chair today. And she said, ah, no, welcome to my friend Stigma. And that got me thinking. So over a period of, um, I was quite lucky, over six weeks, I'd started to make some good progress and I felt I was in a comfortable position, but it wasn't really for two years that I'd fully reestablished my core beliefs and my core values. And call it divine intervention, call it spirituality, but something was just nibbling away at my gut. And it was just saying to me, you need to do more to let other people know that they're not alone, that they, don't, they too don't have to feel like you felt. So I started having conversations with my friends in the industry and, you know, many people were, were only too disparaging of the hospitality sector. You know, it's long hours, it's just the way it is, it's tough, it's, it's unthankful and all of these sort of things. And I said, yeah, but I've worked in many different sectors. And I said, it, it, this is industry is unique, granted, and I love it for that reason, but it doesn't operate like other sectors. And 
I think there's a lot that we can take from that. But why? What is it that's going on here? And they're like, well, you know, it's the long hours and I drink a lot and I've been divorced four times and all of these sort of things started cropping up. And I said, bloody hell, I think mental illness is, you know, is, is happening here. But yet no one would talk about it. Not one person in hospitality would go, yeah, do you know what? I've had, I've had mental illness or I've experienced thoughts of suicide. And so I needed to do something to get people talking. And with that, I started taking some black and white photographs to show that more goes on behind the scenes than you might think. And to really try and portray uh, that there's a lot going on in the shadows that you don't always know about. And it's okay to be able to talk about it or to ask someone else what's going on with them and to try and elicit a conversation. And I remember sketching out this little crude outline of a drawing on the pass uh, whilst chatting to my friend Pete. I said, look, I want to do this. And he said, sure. He said, I, I, I like what you're doing uh, and take that photo of me. So I grabbed that photo. We've got our first one under the belt. And he goes, yeah, I, this is good. I then went to a couple of my other mates and said, look, chef, do you want to have your photo taken? They were like, yeah, sure. Okay. So they crossed their arms. They stared down the barrel of the camera and they were like, yeah, that's a really good photo. I'll share that on my social media. And I said, brilliant. And they went, wait, what's it for? I said, oh, it's to raise awareness for mental health. And they went, F that. Don't put that anywhere. I do not want that being shared. I don't want my face with this subject matter. Because I think not a lot of people want to be vulnerable in front of others. I think it's just like the first step is really hard to just open up to that side of you and just be like, yes, I am struggling. So um, that's, you would say, is the idea where the project came from taking these photos from lived experience from seeing an industry that I loved starting to long before COVID back in 2019 starting to to dwindle where people were retiring or trying to get out of the industry at 34 35 I mean my my job was training ex-hospitality professionals into salespeople because they wanted to stay in the industry but get out of the kitchens get out of the front of house so I used to see loads of people in their mid-30s who just had enough. And then we were seeing college students come through less and less and less. And I thought there needs to be a solution to this. And when I started digging deeper, there was a lot of things going on around the outside, which obviously we can discuss throughout this podcast. But the main thing was is that people were experiencing difficulty with their health. And in order to start to challenge that, we needed to find ways to open up conversations. And it all started from just taking some photos in some storerooms. Amazing. And uh, what do you think is the, in comparison to other industries, like you said, what do you think, how does the stigma about mental health, how is it different in the hospitality industry? Why do you think people, a lot of people were moving away from the kitchen? Why is there a stigma around mental health? Such a good question. From a large society point of view, if you were to ever Google stigma, mental health stigma in history, you will find images of you know, the king of Spain back in the 16th century having his demons exercised, um, laparoscomies and straitjackets. And you suddenly start to build this picture whereby we haven't done ourselves any favors in a wider society. We really, really have done everything we can do to make sure that if you're experiencing a mental illness, then you're an outcast. Now, when you look at hospitality specifically, we have quite a stoic or machoistic culture 
whereby it's fairly heavily male dominated. It's about 70% men and, and 30% women at the moment, which I'm, I'm glad to see is starting to change. We also have borrowed a, for, certainly for the back of house, a brigade system from a Scoffier, which was a French military based system, right? So you take a male dominated industry, you take a military based system, you put those two together in high pressured environments whereby a lot of people are experiencing high levels of stress and, and critical risk of burnout. And what you have is a complete pressure cooker whereby individuals don't want to let the side down. They don't want to let the team down. They don't want to be seen as a weak link. If you do show any signs of vulnerability, it's not seen as a strength. It's seen as a weakness. And then you get sort of turned upon and ousted. So is it any wonder why no one wants to say, actually, do you know what? I've had a 70 hour week and I've not slept properly and I've not eaten properly. All the things that are conducive to good well-being. I think I might be depressed or I think I might be struggling. No one would want to do that because they don't want to be seen as the one who's letting the side down. So instead, they continue to push on, carry on being that that tough link until something happens. And they go off for another reason, such as a bad back or they start self-medicating with drugs or alcohol. So there isn't any wonder why people haven't up until very recently wanted to talk about this. But I'm pleased to say it's starting to change and vulnerability has been seen as a sign of strength and not weakness. Part of the work that you do is uh, obviously extensive research. And uh, could you tell us the key insights about the state of the mental health in the hospitality industry, particularly in the kitchen and the food service industry? Yeah, so one of the first studies we conducted was back in May 2020. We surveyed close to 1,300 people, which back then when our audience was 3,000 on social media, uh, was bloody good numbers. And the data was quite startling. Out of those 1,272 people, we found that 84% of those had said that they'd experienced a mental illness whilst working in hospitality. Now, obviously, this wasn't necessarily clinically defined, but they there was obviously a large proportion of individuals there who knew that their mental health was being impacted. So that's that already those figures are quite startling. Four out of five individuals who, who relate to a feeling mentally unwell at some stage during their career. Moving forward from that, we then started to look at how many people would feel comfortable uh, talking about their mental health within the workplace. And surprise, surprise, the numbers weren't that great. You know, there was only, I think, just over 30% of people would actually feel comfortable talking to their managers about their overall mental health and well-being. And so that was quite a, a strong foundation for us to be able to start to build a bigger picture of what was going on and then start to build our resources, such as our training and support mechanisms to start tackling those figures. We've since then started to become a little bit more granular with our survey. So we are working with a team of organizational psychologists who are a fabulous bunch of individuals who really want to see a data-led change for hospitality. And we're actually starting to get some really intricate data of exactly what's going on within the beating heart of the hospitality sector what it is that's increasing our turnover rates, why people are experiencing high levels of stress, burnout, and fatigue, 
And most importantly, from a business standpoint of view, what that is costing business owners as a result of inactivity. And so to give you an idea, we've just conducted a study uh, on a multi-site organization for just under 150 people. Out of those 150 people, just under 50% of those were at critical risk of burnout. The turnover intention wasn't too dissimilar. I think it was around about 47% of people were looking to leave that organization within the next six months. Most importantly, the fact of this was is that the, the lost productivity, the presenteeism that was being experienced with these individuals was costing that business £80,000 a month. A month. That's... And that wasn't even including the turnover intention. When you add turnover intention and the cost of being able to do your exit interviews, if they were to have some, then re-employing new individuals, training them up, plus the cost of downtime for that, you were looking at a million pounds a year by losing just under 50% of your workforce, which 50% sounds like a lot, but in reality... We're working with some businesses that target their turnover rates at 125%. And to put that into terms and just to show you how bonkers this is as an industry, we are saying, manager, you have 100 members of team at the moment. What I'd like you to do is lose 100 of those plus an additional 25 in the next 12 months. That's what we are targeting. That's ridiculous. We're targeting at this moment in time, whereas yeah. other sectors work on a turnover rate of about 15 to 25%. It's just madness when you start to look at the figures. So, so how do we recognize burnout in our teams? And what are the main factors affecting negatively the mental health among the chefs in the restaurants or the employees? This is the reason that and that exact question is the reason why I got told that I would never be able to change this industry because it was too complicated. It wasn't just one thing. And despite my reticence to believe that, we're at a stage now where those people, those naysayers who said I wouldn't be able to change anything are completely right. It isn't just one thing. Every single organization is different. Every single individual that works within those organizations is impacted by different things. We have different resilience levels as human beings. So it's very difficult to be able to say to you, here's the main headline and here's what you need to do. Here's the red pill that you take and this will fix everything for you. In reality, there are some commonalities. So first and foremost, We're all seeing a massive pay rise at the moment for all hospitality professionals across the world because there's a shortage of supply. There isn't enough people to fulfill the roles that we have. Is that keeping people happy? No, our data is showing it's not, you know. Yes, it's nice to earn more money, but if you're still doing 70, 80 hour weeks, you've got no time for family, friends or life admin you are finding that your physical health is suffering because you're not spending time looking after yourself. And as a result of high levels of stress, you're starting then to eat poorly. You're eating carbohydrates, high levels of carbohydrates, high levels of sugar. You're also drinking a lot of caffeine, potentially drinking more alcohol or taking drugs. And all of a sudden you start to see that ultimately 
the industry is experiencing uh, an epidemic of massive proportions, and it is predominantly to do with stress, leadership, skill gap shortage, because let's face it, a lot of people in this industry aren't trained to be managers. We are put in positions of seniority because either A, we've been somewhere a certain amount of time, or B, we're actually very good at running a pass or running a section, right? And so we get promoted, but that doesn't necessarily qualify us with the right skill sets and emotional intelligence to be managers. And then you've also got the cultural aspect as well. So there's a number of different things that are increasing the risk of burnout and stress within the organizations. And it, there are some common, common signs, I think, that people need to be looking out for, such as the feeling of not feeling like they can leave work, starting work early, leaving work late, or starting work late, leaving work early, or perhaps any of the things that I've just mentioned. You know, if you're feeling that need, that hunger to be able to squash that stress or squash this itch within yourself and it involves you know drinking cans of caffeine drinks or smoking more than usual or having more arguments or feeling void of emotion altogether then these are probably signs that there is potentially burnout creeping in or more common or serious uh, underlying mental health issues. And what critical steps should we be putting in place or strategies to combat these challenges to promote a workspace that values mental health? Good question. So over here in the UK and something we're rolling out virtually worldwide is uh, stress reduction workshops. And this is from both a personal point of view. So for individuals who are working within the industry, but also from a leadership perspective as well. For a long time over here, we have had uh, management standards from the health and safety executive who look at organizational uh, risks. It's a legal requirement for businesses in the UK to have a stress audit or a stress risk assessment, whereby you specifically look at where stress is occurring within the organization, what you're doing about it currently that's working to mitigate that, and what you could do better and the steps that you're going to take to resolve that. In thousands of training sessions we've run over the last two years only one business has had a risk assessment and to be quite frank that was very much a copy and paste risk assessment that they've just put in place for all different venues in reality stress occurs in different ways in different organizations it could be communication it could be heat light sound it could be work-life balance it could be support there's a whole host of different things in there but I think one of the key factors is let's start looking at stress. Let's start looking at how we reduce the levels of stress within our organizations by proactively speaking with our teams, getting our teams involvement. What is it that causes you stress? How can we look at improving that so that our in industry and our environment is safer, healthier, and more sustainable? That then starts to decrease the risk of turnover. It decreases the health risks involved increases your um, retention rates, which ultimately lead to better profit margins, happier staff, longer re retention, then all of a sudden you're starting to look at a slightly different picture. And media influence is huge, especially in this industry. So regarding the portrayal of the food service industry as pressure cooker, atmosphere, high pressure, high performance, tough environment, especially in the kitchens. How can, what can we do to change the narrative and make the, in, the industry more inviting for people 
who want to pursue a career in it and enhance the positive image ultimately. So we need as an industry to start actually celebrating the positives within our sector. We also need to be looking at what our language is because when we do our training sessions and we speak to hospitality professionals, we ask them, would you allow your children to work in this sector? And the overwhelming response is no, we wouldn't allow our children. So how are we ever expected to start to change that narrative if internally we're going, oh, well, I can't change anything and it's not a safe industry, so my children shouldn't work here. We need to start promoting this as a profession of choice. We need to start celebrating the wins, the organizations who are doing great things, who are retaining their staff, who have a great company culture, and in turn, that will encourage others to do the same and to make a change. But we has, it has to start from within. And then at some stage, then we'll look at the Gordon Ramsay videos, we'll look at the Marco Pierre Whites of, of the world and the things that people have idolized and unfortunately have become the standard in certain organizations and go, God, do you remember the time when it was acceptable to shout at someone in the kitchen? Or do you remember the time when we used to do 60-hour weeks because our employer thought that we were just numbers you know do, do you remember those times they were mad they were and start to look back at it with uh yeah almost like we do with virtual working now for office workers right right and uh could you tell us a little bit about your ambitions for the burnt chef project and uh the services that you provide and what can we expect to be available uh, internationally yeah, certainly. So the Burnt Chef project has come a massive, I mean, I, I was chatting to my marketing manager. She said, do you ever just think about how you kick yourself? Like you're being interviewed for the World Trade Center in Dubai. Like that wasn't on our list three years ago. That wasn't even on our list a year ago. And so we're always blessed with and quite shocked with how far we've come. So currently the Burnt Chef project is in a position whereby we are working to four main pillars. Those main pillars are awareness. So we drive awareness through our merchandise, which we sell internationally, and people then support our project, our project with donations uh, and fundraising from the e-commerce side of things. We still take the photos. We have a three-meter-tall inflatable elephant now that we blow up and we stick in doorways so that people physically have to try and move around this elephant. And then they come in and go, why is there a giant black elephant with a brain on it in the doorway? And we go, well, that's the elephant in the room, right? Now, now we're starting the conversation. So we, we work a lot with awareness. We, you know, we do a lot of things in terms of podcasts. We have the skydive. I was, so we have the skydive, which uh, we so far have managed to get about 150 people jumping out of planes in the UK to raise awareness and funds for the Burnt Chef project. So we do a lot in terms of our awareness building to let people know that mental health is something we all have and mental illness is something that, you know, statistically speaking within hospitality, a lot of us will experience or up until recently. We then have to be focusing on the support side of things. So currently over in the UK, we have a 24-hour text-based support service. It's free to access for all of hospitality. Um, we have also just extended that now. So we do offer an international support mechanism which is a well-being app called thrive over here it's approved by the nhs services but this is a mental hygiene a mental fitness app 
that allows you to track, track your mood on a daily basis, have access to hundreds of hours of content to do with meditation, breath work, muscle relaxation techniques, stress busting techniques. But, and this is the thing I really like about this, if you are struggling with your mental health and you're using this app on a daily basis, you're rating on the mood diary. Long before, I think 68% of people that we speak to currently don't know they're experiencing mental health difficulties. So where this app comes into its own is long before you, ex you know that you're experiencing difficulty or you think you might be experiencing difficulty, the app will notify a clinician who will reach out drop you a line, drop you a text on this app and say, hi, we notice that your resilience levels aren't as high as normal, or we, you might feel like you're struggling at this moment in time. Would you like to have a conversation and access to free therapy? Now, this is available in nine different languages around the world. It's available on our website and you can purchase this as a, as a business owner for your team. So it's not available on an individual basis just yet. But it starts to take a proactive approach whereby individuals then can start to look after their own health and well-being privately without having to go through their HR teams. And also, if they need support, they've got it with the same person day in, day out if they need to, again, without ever having to necessarily challenge that stigma uh, and in such a proactive way. It was also designed to support managers and, and well-being champions as well. So if you have individuals who may be experiencing difficulty with their mental illness and you're, you just don't have the experience to deal with that, then you can reach out to your own therapist using the app and say, hi, I've got someone at this moment in time who says that they're feeling depressed. What can I do? What, are, what can I do within my capacity in the workplace to help this individual? And you can get guided by someone who's qualified to do that. I should also shout out to our 70 plus ambassadors that we have currently. So we've set up an international peer support network. These are all people around the world with hospitality backgrounds, all with lived experience of mental illness. We'll talk to other people about their experiences and just allow them to, to feel that they're not alone and that, that they are, that how they feel is valid and that there are support systems available. So that's, that's the support side of things. Data still remains very much at the heart of what we do. We work with organizational psychologists. We do our own surveys now, which gets thousands of, of responses. And they're all free to access on our website. So anyone can go through and look at the data and use that for, for their own projects if they were to start something locally, for example. And then training and education is a big one. So where we started was mental health awareness. We've now ended up with e-learning content that's available all around the world for things like diversity and inclusion, for menopause, nutrition, sleep, breath work, bullying, managers mental health awareness, how to manage mental health in the workplace, suicide, you name it. If it's to do with our health or well-being, we will build it, we'll use our profits to put it in place and provide it for free to the worldwide hospitality community. And that's the Burnt Chef Academy, which again, you can find on our website. It is only currently limited to um, English uh, language. However, we are looking over the next 12 months or so to start opening up to, to multiple different languages to make it even more accessible around, around the globe. 
Incredible. In, in-person training and virtual training for corporates as well. So there's things like the stress reduction workshops, how to put in place a stress risk assessment, managers, mental health awareness, and a financial health, a whole host of other training things. And yeah, that, that really takes us up to our current level of services. Next stop, let more people know that we're around, you know, do more things, whether that's climbing Kilimanjaro or I don't know, whatever else I can think of that makes this conversation not necessarily sexy and cool, but more acceptable to talk about and more engaging. I love what you said there. You said we all have mental health. We don't all have mental illness. I think that's something that message should just be as loud as possible because I think when people hear mental health, they just think it in a negative way, like, oh, mental health, like what's wrong with me? But we all have mental health. We have to be very active to check in with ourselves all the time. So in terms of um, like chefs and managers or restaurant owners, what would you say, like three quick tips for them to take a more active role in creating a safe works, workplace for mental health? What would that be? Three quick tips. Firstly, vulnerability isn't a weakness. Okay, we are taught as managers to be like swans gliding gracefully across the top of the lake, but actually paddling really quickly underneath to get going, right? And that sets a precedent that says to people, if I'm struggling, I shouldn't be because my manager quite clearly has got this nailed down. When in fact, actually, in reality, that's not necessarily always the case and, and more likely more often than not, it's definitely not the case. So be vulnerable in your own way. You know, if you're a classic stoic, then, you know, show someone that you are a human being and, and give a nod to a time where you might have experienced difficulty or struggled. Show that you're human and that you're pink and squidgy inside like everyone else, right? You're when not all built like Kevlar, that in fact, no one in this world is built like superhuman. Okay, we might think we are, but we're only fooling ourselves. So be prepared to be vulnerable. Secondly, look at what you have in place currently. Celebrate what you have and do well. You know, do you have a mental health policy or a stress policy in the workplace? If so, brilliant. Let everyone know where it is. Do you feed your teams regularly in terms of do you sit down as a community every morning before service and feed everyone and have a just nice general conversation with healthy, nutritious food. Again, let people know that they exist. So many businesses are doing such great things for their employees in terms of culture and in terms of health and well-being. but you'll be surprised, especially with turnover rates, how often people aren't familiar or don't even know that they exist. So start celebrating what you do well. And I think thirdly, look at the industry or at least try to look at the industry through an out of the box perspective just because we want a full-time member of staff to cover a 70 or 60 hour shift a week and that's the way we've always operated is that the best fit for that business or could you find that actually you can get some incredible human beings very talented individuals who will quite gladly do 15 to 20 hours a week for you. 
do you use WhatsApp as your primary form of communication? If so, why? Start asking why. How is that impacting your teams? Are your teams happy to be contacted on their one day off after eight days? Or are there other communication methods that you can use? Start thinking outside the box. I so often have conversations go, well, that won't work. Why? Why won't it work? Well, we tried it. Okay, explain to me what the processes were. Explain to me the steps. I got told at the beginning of the Burnt Chef journey that it was never going to be anything and that I should just go back to my day job. You know, I've raised a bit of awareness down on the south coast of England and call it quits. I'm not happy with that. And we have spoken to so many inspirational guests on our podcast, people like Chris Cook, for example, who was born without any arms and legs. If he gave up at the first hurdle and just said, well, that's the way it is. It's never going to change. I have no arms and no legs, so I'm just going to sit sit here for the rest of my life, he would have never completed 11 marathons and traveled the world and been on TED Talks, okay? So it's all about pushing those boundaries. Look at other sectors, have conversations with your friends who aren't in the industry and ask them what they do in the situation. What do their performance reviews look like? What do their team meetings look like? How is, you know, how are um, things like, you know, progression managed how do you manage illness and sickness start thinking outside the box because until we start doing that we're just going to keep repeating the same mistakes as yesterday i think it's also essential to make the effort to talk on a regular basis to check in and see how they're doing break the stigma around mental health because the restaurant industry especially this is a basic human gesture and i think it has a radical impact when it comes to checking in and seeing how everybody's doing. So before we um, wrap up this episode, um, we would like to hear from you uh, what message you would like to leave with our listeners and how they can get involved with the Burn Chef project. So I think the key method, the key lesson that I would like to leave or message that I'd like to leave with people is that we all have mental health. I think we've made that abundantly clear here, yet it's completely natural and normal to feel like you you don't necessarily want to be that person who runs through the street screaming that you've got mental health issues. You know, that's perfectly normal. It's going to take hundreds of years to undo hundreds of years of stigma. So start with the, start with the small win. Start looking after yourself. And if you need tips on that, there's a whole host of information that you can access through the Burnt Chef Academy on, on, our, on our website. Start looking at your nutrition and your water intake and how you communicate. Start being prepared to say no when in your gut you know that if you're going to say yes, it's going to hurt you in some way, shape or form. Also that you're not alone. If you are experiencing mental illness, if you're having thoughts of suicide, for example, you're not alone. In fact, you'll be surprised at how many other people have experienced something similar and reach out and know that reaching out, you can reach us through our social media channels and we have a good team now of people behind who can respond to you. You may not necessarily always get a response straight away, but we will always come back to you within about 24 hours and we'll have a conversation with you. Also, for anyone who wants to assist other people, know where your signposting services are. Know where your local organizations are that can help with things like crisis support, you know, it's, it's important because 
especially after COVID, the rates of anxiety and stress are, are, are massively on the rise. It's an aftershock of what we've all been through as a lived experience. So it's human kindness just to know where to look and where, where to be able to access that support. So be, be familiar with that. And I think, you know, check us out. Have a look at www.theburntchefproject.com. You'll be able to access the training worldwide. You'll be able to access Thrive if you're a business owner and you think that that's going to work for your business. And, and trust me, even from a 20% engagement rate, your productivity, your staff well-being will improve immensely. And come to us with ideas. If you, you know, if you are in Dubai, if you're in China, if you're in India, wherever you are in the world, come to us with ideas and we will gladly look at those and see how we can continue this conversation moving forward. Fantastic. So thank you so much for joining us today, Chris. I really, really enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our Let's Chew podcast as much as I have. And if you did, please share and leave us a review. Bye for now.